At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hey everybody, welcome to episode 7 of Ron Spomer Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host Ron Spomer inviting you to join me again for a nostalgic and sometimes silly look back through the trials and tribulations of a hunter and freelance outdoor writer. And today I am joined by my wife who loves to make fun of my adventures afield. And she came up with a raw piece here that actually has something Outdoor freelance writers are quite familiar with a rejection slip from an editor. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't rub it in. No, I know, but look at it. it says sorry to report <laughs> that this piece doesn't meet our article needs. Actually, it meant standards. <laughs> At standards. Now it was needs. <laughs> now this was real common stuff. If you want, you've got to develop a thick hide if you want to be a writer because you're going to get rejection slips. And this one's a classic, you know, at least they sent rejection slips in those days. A lot of times now they don't even respond. I get guys writing in and say, hey, Ron, I'm trying to sell some stories. And these editors won't even write back and tell me they don't like it or it's a piece of junk. There's just silence. What do I do? <laughs> well, I, I agree. Um, I couldn't be an outdoor writer because if somebody critiqued one of my stories or my grammar, I would fall apart, as you know, um, when you critique anything that I send out in an email. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I'm an editor. I'm getting my revenge from all these editors who nailed me over the years. <laughs> Now's my chance to get back. Any rate, Sports Afield back in the day. This is dated June 11th, 1987, the rejection. But I have a hunch the story had been around the block a few times before it got to sports of feel. I should have saved all the rejection slips because this is pretty early on hand typed uh, manual typewriter. It looks like pretty rough. At any rate, I thought it'd be fun to kind of go through this. So I get the rejection letter. And like Betsy said, it, it just says, sorry. Uh, it says, many thanks for giving us the chance to review your story. But sorry to report that it doesn't meet our Article needs at the time, which is Betsy's right. It's just a polite way of saying this is garbage. <laughs> or it's just <laughs> terrible or it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Well, let's just read a little bit and see what happens. I call this manual dogs. Our neighborhood is famous for hunting dogs, but I don't think many of them hunt. The three golden retrievers make their living barking at the paper girl, the UPS truck, the moon, and nearly any other animate or inanimate object you care to draw to their attention. But I've never seen them in the vicinity of a shotgun. 
unless you count the break-action 12-gauge old man Nichols was pointing at them one night. The yellow lab down the street appears to earn his kibbles by mauling the afternoon paper into soup. There's a Brittany that carries its master's favor by leading him on spirited runs across yards and gardens once or twice a week. All of these dogs and dozens more play important roles in their master's lives, but none seem to hunt. Neither do most of the hunting dogs I meet in the field. Last fall alone, I met a Brittany that thought it was a beagle. I'll call it money for you. An all-purpose German short hair that retrieved, cleaned, and digested the daily bag. A lab that was afraid of the water and an English setter dedicated to pointing his master's heels. I think I remember that one. <laughs> you really can't blame the dogs for these shortcomings. It's the fault of the breeders who should know better than to sell dogs without instruction manuals. American consumers were brought up on instruction manuals. We depend on them. We thrive on them. It isn't fair to sell us a product without an instruction manual. Can you imagine bringing home a nice new VCR? Remember those? A VCR, <laughs> just ate you. A VCR or a personal computer without an instruction manual? You couldn't even get it out of its box. Wait a minute. The younger generation may not know what a VCR is. No, that's okay. <laughs> They'll have to go look it up. They can Google it. <laughs> so, how do they expect us to operate these dogs when all we get is a puppy in the bottom of a box with maybe a page or two of soggy newsprint that has nothing to do with the problem at hand? I recently put this question to a number of national dog breeders, and since none expressed interest in producing any sort of a manual for their products, I decided to take the chore upon myself, albeit in a general fashion. Each canine breed has its unique operating procedures and idiosyncrasies, but the bulk of them respond favorably to the following universal programs. Read and install them, and if you find them useful, send $35 to Canine Instruction Software, P.O. Box 7146, Turkey Ridge, South Dakota, 57555. <laughs> ah, here it is, the manual. Universal Dog User's Manual. Important notice. If you read nothing else, carefully read and understand that the following safety and maintenance suggestions before using your new doggy. Number one, keep fingers, nails, jewelry, etc. out of doggy during operation. That's kind of funny. I would have bought that. Yeah. What about sunglasses, remember? Oh, yeah. yeah I, I'll add sunglasses. Do not let dog eat sunglasses. Number two, to keep doggy running smoothly, lubricate two or three times daily with copious quantities of water and meat byproducts. Yeah, that's kind of silly. Keep a doggy well away from decaying flesh, dead fish, fresh bovine droppings, etc. Well, we know that fresh bovine dropping one. <laughs> keep pillows, car seats, furniture, rugs, shotguns, stocks, and other objects well away from doggy during the first 18 months of operation. At least. <laughs> yeah, I had a puppy one time chew my brand new gun stock. It was a beautiful side-by-side -side 12 gauge. And she uh, and she sort of decorated it immediately, <laughs> chewing on it. Okay, if doggy is a Labrador, keep lamps, elderly ladies, small children, and etc. from the tail during operation of the doggy's life. Yeah, those lab tails can kill you. Absolutely. Transport doggy to qualified service technician annually for general maintenance and tune-ups. And the final one is should doggy perform listlessly or not at all, transport to qualified service technician immediately. Veterinarian. So, introduction. Congratulations, you are the proud owner of a state-of-the-art dog. The finest canine product available thanks to man's continuing and tireless development research over the past 12,000 years. 
Your user-friendly doggy can sit, lay, stay, heel, whoa, point, fetch, shake, roll over, and play dead, if it is so inclined. <laughs> Follow the maintenance, safety, and operating instructions here enclosed, and you will enjoy years of faithful service from your doggy. How to use this manual. The seasoned doggy user, as well as the novice, will find this manual a useful and welcome guide. The manual addresses requirements and questions posed at all levels of user experience. As you learn more, this manual can help you master a wealth of doggy duties. This manual is organized into three sections. Section one is devoted to how-to of doggy control. It will teach you how to program your doggy for everyday living. Section two shows how to program your doggy to perform useful tasks. Section three provides technical data, parts diagram, and maintenance tips for your new doggy. We suggest you begin with section one. Section one, control programming. For all program installations, allow one to 100 weeks, depending on doggy model. <laughs> I think I know that 100-week dog. If program does not install after 100 weeks, return defective doggy for new model. Operating environment. As you look for the ideal location to set up your doggy, you'll quickly discover what a cooperative doggy you have. With few exceptions, doggy will be at home wherever you desire to place it. However, we recommend a smooth hard surface from which you can remove spent and ejected operating fuels easily. A little doggy do humor there. Come. This program relieves you of approaching doggy every time you wish to use it. The come program <laughs> brings the doggy to you. That's kind of clever. <laughs> to program come, restrain doggy from obtaining fuel for four to six hours. Hold high octane fuel at arm's length in plain sight of doggy while simultaneously commanding come. Repeat until doggy approaches at come command from any distance whether offered fuel or not. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Sit. This program allows you to lower your doggy's hindquarters to the ground, which helps it to stop moving so it can pay more attention to further operating instructions. To program sit, place one hand under doggy's chin and the other on doggy's rump. Command sit in a clear, strong voice while instantaneously lifting the chain and forcing the rump down. Repeat until doggy lifts chin and lowers rump unassisted at the verbal sit command. What are you doing there, dear? I am. You're reading ahead. You can't read ahead. You... Well, I'm thinking this is too long. It's understand. too long. Well, I'm sorry, but you dragged it up here. You've got to listen to I it. I understand why it Set. was rejected. Sit. I understand why it was rejected. Sit. Stay. Yeah, we'll get to the quiet command here, I hope. Ah, uh, where were we? To sit, place hand. Well, you already said that. Down. This program makes doggy less visible in duck blinds and prevents it from becoming too affectionate with women, children, and bosses in business suits. To program down, grab doggy's front legs in one hand, place the other hand on doggy's rump, command down in a clear, strong voice, while simultaneously jerking doggy's front legs out from under him and pressing down firmly until rump, belly, and chest impact the ground. Repeat until said parts contact ground without assistance upon application of the down command. Whew. No, this is a useful general purpose program for preventing a variety of unwanted operational modes in your doggy. Use it to terminate any non-programmed operation. To program no, observe doggy in any non-programmed operation. Instantaneously command no, while simultaneously interrupting non-programmed operation with rolled newspapers, open hand, or if doggy is a Labrador, stout timber. <laughs> 
This this is the old the old style of dog training. I know. <laughs> they always talked about rolled newspapers. They were good for scaring a dog, though. Yeah. I I didn't whack them with the paper, but if I hit the ground by them, whew, that got their attention. I worked on a lab I had once. Um. Anyway, let's see. Repeat until doggy terminates non-programmed operation at the no command. Whoa. The whoa program, also known as whoa, you crazy son of a bitch, is designed to terminate doggy's forward progress at any point. It is useful for preventing doggy from impacting cars, fences, and other undesirable hardware, for keeping it from chasing cars, rabbits, small children, and other undesirable prey, and for reinforcing the point program, see section two. To program whoa, command set, attach strong rope or chain to thick, strong collar around doggy's neck and fasten other end to immovable object. If doggy is a Chesapeake model, fasten two chains to the immovable objects. Place palm toward doggy and command whoa while backing away. Repeat until doggy stops and remains stationary at whoa command without stretching rope chain or dragging immovable object. Heel. Heal is a convenience program that keeps your doggy at your side until you command it to perform other programs. To program heal, attach short, strong rope or chain to collar, CWO, around doggy's neck and begin walking forward simultaneously, pulling doggy to your side and commanding heal. If doggy surges ahead, virtually all models do initially, some perpetually. Pull it back to your side while commanding heal. Repeat until doggy walks at your side at heel without aid of rope. You may want to apply liberal quantities of deep heating ointment or ice to your shoulders, yours, not the doggies, for duration of program installation. Now we're at section two. How many sections are there? Three. Didn't you read earlier? No, I told you. Just, three. It's... Just quit reading ahead. If you're bored, you can leave. Bring Covey up here. She'll be a, get some instruction from this one. All right, performance programming, fetch. Oh, this is a good one. This program instructs your doggy to bring objects to your hand. It is useful for retrieving newspapers, slippers, and Canada geese. To program fetch, hold old glove before doggy's mouth. Simultaneously pinch doggy's ear and command fetch until doggy opens his mouth to howl. When it does, you immediately place the glove into open mouth and release ear pressure. Repeat until doggy opens mouth and take glove at fetch command. Boy, this takes me back. This was a standard back in the 70s, I think, in the 60s. You would force fetch, they called it. And the idea was to get the dog to open its mouth of its own volition. So if you pinched it somewhere, some trainers would pinch their toes with a rope. Yeah. And some would pinch their ear so the dog would open his mouth and go, yipe. And then they'd stick the dummy in his mouth. And then say, oh, good boy, good boy, fetch. And that's how they got Did him to make work? the initial fetch. Yeah, it worked. But they, they came up with less painful ways that they now use. But right now I'm doing fetch with Cubby by just gently opening her mouth because she's so easy. You don't have to force her mouth open. You just put your fingers in the lower jaw and open it up and put it in. But she's not, in these first few lessons, grasping the idea that she's fetching anything because she's not opening her mouth. So. It may take me some finagling to figure this one out. She holds it really well yeah. once it's in there, but she doesn't want to open her mouth to get it. This just shows how dog training has changed. Yeah, it really has. You know, guys have done wonderful jobs uh, coming up with new techniques that work with the dog's natural instincts, I think, rather than forcing things. Like, it's my idea. We're going to do it this way. You have to read and understand the dog 
and uh, you know, at Standing Stone Kennels, those guys do a great job. Uh, I need to watch more of their videos because yeah, we certainly do. Because Covey is not the, I mean, she's a great dog, but she's well, yeah, I've never really trained her, I just sort of let her do her own thing just to see how well that would work. Because several people have said it works, and I figure. I'm so busy anyway. It's a good excuse. <laughs> it's a good excuse. But people, if they really want to know about dog training, can go to their website. Oh, Standing Stone? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they do a great job. The Pippets, uh, and they're great people too. And uh, I've hunted with him and his dogs. And tell you what, those are well-behaved dogs. They'll lie there with a the geese flying all around and they don't whine and break. And Can, yeah. we, can we send Covey via uh, <laughs> UPS? Covey's coming. Get ready. <laughs> Okay, let's get back to this wonderful dog training manual I wrote. Oh, we're almost done. Hey, don't worry about it. Okay, fetch. Let's see where we did fetch. No, we were just studying. Okay. For advanced fetch programming, drop glove farther and farther from doggy while commanding fetch. Pinch ear when necessary to elicit glove grabbing action. Repeat until doggy brings glove, slippers, pheasants, members of the opposite sex, and other desirable objects from great distances. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Puppies are actually better at fetching members of the opposite sex. It was always an old line back in the 70s and 80s. You wanted to go to the park with a puppy if you were looking for oh, a good looking girl. Okay. See, because the puppy would, oh, it's a puppy. And all the girls would come over and you were the hero because you had the puppy. Yeah, that that's a good works. fetch. I wouldn't know. Nobody's coming around no matter what kind of a puppy I have. <laughs> okay. This one is the give command. Give. It's useful for terminating fetch. Some doggy models are pre-programmed to ingest fetched hardware, particularly if it's covered with feathers. To prevent this command, come immediately after doggy has picked up desired hardware. When doggy reaches your side, place one hand behind doggy's mouth and use the other to pinch doggy's ear again. There, poor dog. While commanding give in a clear, strong voice, doggy should drop the hardware. Repeat until doggy drops hardware in your hand at the give command. Point. This basic program comes pre-installed in many doggy models. To test for functionality, place doggy downwind of a live bird such as the quail or pigeon. Doggy should become alert and freeze in intense attitude, leaning toward the bird. If it doesn't, command woe as doggy progresses excitedly toward bird. Attach collar, rope, or immovable object if necessary. See woe, section 1. Repeat woe command until doggy assumes motionless posture whenever birds are scented. Shake Attack, speak, jump, roll over, and play dead. These advanced programs are covered in Performance Programming 2, available for $50 from the Canine Instruction Software, P.O. Box 7146, Turkey Ridge, South Dakota, 57555. I don't think that's a real address. Boy, some guy in Turkey Ridge is going to be upset when... No, he'll be happy if he gets 50 bucks, but he'll be upset when he has to send him a carrying a Canine Instruction Software. Yeah, uh, I just want to say, I mean, you were probably just getting that $50 out of, out of your hat, you know, sort of, Oh yeah. Yes, but, yes. but now you can just download stuff off the internet for a lot less money. A lot, like no money. Yeah. Go to YouTube. Learn. Yeah. There's GUS. That's a great way to get it. Get your dog training instruction yourself. You just all kinds of YouTube instructions. And it's so much easier to watch the video of how it's done rather than try to read it and interpret what the guy's trying to tell you. I mean, yeah. it's tough to write instructions like these. <laughs> no wonder this got rejected by sports of field. <laughs> Should have sent him a video. On and on and on. Yeah, yeah. Stop. Uh, in a couple more pages. 
People can leave anytime they want, you know, nobody, they didn't pay for this thing. All right. Uh, Technical data and maintenance. This is section three. Your doggy is rugged and will perform in brush water, mud and high winds with few problems. As long as you keep it well lubricated with water and and fueled it with meat byproducts. All current doggy models are self-lubricating and self-feeding. Boy, that's an advanced model. Simply place water and fuel before doggy. When operating in sub-freezing temperatures, doggy may quiver. Some quivering is normal, but should it become violent, accompanied by whining and ice forming on doggy's exterior surface, remove doggy to warmer environment. That's a good one. When operating doggy at high speeds or in temperatures above 80 degrees Fahrenheit, doggy will hang tongue well out of mouth and slobber profusely. This is normal cooling behavior. If tongue hangs up but does not slobber, remove doggy from direct sun and apply water liberally externally and internally. Try to avoid letting slobber fall on fastidious or fashionable persons. Doggies will excrete excessive ingested water on launch trees, shrubs, and automobile wheels. Used fuel will be deposited several times daily at various locations. Avoid stepping on them, and upon discovering, remove immediately to organic decomposition storage facility. Did they have doggy bags? In 87? I don't remember. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know when those started, but I suppose in the cities, in city parks, they did before. But in the 90s, anyway, they popped up in Idaho, huh? Yeah. Anyway, when the doggy stops, lifts paw, and fails to perform command programs in field, examine paw and remove thorns, burrs, and similar foreign objects. When doggy howls in the field and races toward you with multiple porcupine quills embedded in face and mouth, subdue doggy, cut quill ends off, and pull free with strong pliers. Command doggy to woe upon discovering subsequent porcupines. Which dog got their... Oh, gosh. I've had so many. Is that Soda? Cheyenne, Soda. um, The one I had, I can't remember that dog's name. Before, way back when, this is before you even showed up, that dog jumped right on top of a porcupine. I had to take her to a vet, put her under and get things pulled out. She was swelling up so badly. Oh, that was terrible. Now, here's something that's changed. In those days, it was you had to cut the back of the quill off, supposedly squeezing the quill to pull it out, enlarged it with pneumatic pressure or something. That's nonsense. You don't have to cut the back of the quills off pull them out. They're hard to pull out because they got these little microscopic burrs on them, like fish hooks, kind of like a barb sticking Mm -hmm. out. So they really stay in there, but you just have to yank them out. And dogs just love that. (laughs) Probably need to, some dogs, you need to tie them down so they don't bite you. Yeah. You might have to take them to bed. I think you ended up taking soda or whoever to the vet. Yeah. One one of them was swelling up. The nostrils were swelling so I couldn't breathe. So I had to take her. And another one, this, the quill stayed in. It was migrating through its head. And the vet said, you know, it could come out the side of its face, but it could work its way up into the sinuses and cause problems or get up into the eye and better go get it before it gets too deep. So he went in and cut it out. Yeah, that's something you don't want to mess with. Uh, here's a good one. When doggy howls, rubs head in dirt and races toward you, preceded by intense penetrating chemical odor, command whoa in a loud voice and back away quickly. <laughs> the skunk spray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that recently. <laughs> when doggy races after birds and snaps viciously at their tails, reprogram whoa and point. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. When doggy races after bunnies and deer, command whoa in a clear, strong voice until race or voice terminates. When doggy disappears over horizon at sound of gunshot and reappears 15 minutes later carrying dead pheasant, 
pat Doggy's head and say, good boy, in a humble voice. <laughs> See, That's, it's over. It's over. Thanks. Good. So, looking back, mm-hmm. what do you think? I think I've always been a lousy dog trainer. <laughs> Now, what about a writer? Uh, I don't know. The editor didn't like it then, so we'll let the audience decide if it was any good this time. But here's something they don't see. It's my doggy design. I'm not much of an artist, as you can see by this sorry-looking picture of a dog. But I included an illustration of a dog with its operating parts. Obviously, if you have an instruction manual, you've got to have an illustration of the parts. So I had a head for for petting, a neck for putting the collar on, the rump with a sticker on it saying, press here for sit. Hindquarters, hind leg, paws, belly, front leg, chest, slobber coming out of the mouth, and all the basics. Tail, optional on some models. <laughs> yeah. Warning, this is not a handle. Oh, anyway, back in the 70s and early 80s, I thought it was pretty funny, but the editors didn't. Anyway, such is the life of a freelance writer. Well, you can resubmit it to Sports and Field and yeah. see what they say. <laughs> see what they say. That would be kind of fun. I ought to try that. <laughs> yeah, actually, do that. So. I'm going to do that. Warning, warning. <laughs> All you editors out there, you're going to love it. They're going to eat it up. So what's the difference? I mean, you were sort of being funny, but dog training's changed a lot in the last Wait a minute. Training. Go back to that sort of being part. <laughs> I heard that. Sort of be, you're sort of cute. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, dog training has changed quite a bit. Like we said earlier, they've figured out a lot of the natural dog behaviors and they try to reinforce those. You take advantage of what the dog wants to do and then you reinforce it rather than forcing something on him. So, for instance, when your dog sits, that's when you say sit. Like your puppies are always sitting. When they do it, you say sit. You overlay, overlay that command on what he's already doing. And then by adding treats and praise to anything that's done, that makes the dog want to do it again. But you have to do it all, I guess, within two or three seconds, because that's about as far as the dog can remember. So if he sits and you wait 10 seconds and say, good sit, he's thinking, what's she talking about? (laughs) So it's got to be right there. But we'll let the dog experts handle all that. And maybe someday we'll get somebody on the podcast who can help us out but hey thanks for listening in folks those were oh that was an example of some of the struggles you have as a freelance writer trying to sell things yeah and if you can get an assignment ahead of time so much the better but when you're a new writer they just want to see good material so you send it in and if you catch their fancy with the first sentence or two they'll keep reading and then if you keep their interest and they see there's a lot of meat to this thing they'll probably buy it. But if it reads like this one did, then you'll probably get to read it online 40 years later or so. (laughs) So is it hard? This is a question. It's harder to sell to magazines right now because there's so much on the internet. Can you? No, I don't think it's, it's that. I think it's, it's harder to sell magazines because everything's on the internet. That's the struggle. The publications are are trying to come up with how can we stay relevant because A, so many people get it for free online and it's always there online. Whereas with the magazine, you get it, you look at it, you set it aside, you forget where it is, you don't see it again. And then when you want to search for it, you got to scrabble around the house. Whereas online, you just Google whatever you're looking for, bingo, something pops up. The downside to that online Google stuff is you don't know what you're getting. I mean, there are people on there who haven't a clue what they're talking about, but they act like it. They can make a good looking website or blog, but the material itself, if you don't know anything about it, you'll probably buy into it. But experts will look at it and go, what the heck? 
This is garbage. So that what's been lost from not having magazines the way we did back in the 60s and 70s and 80s is the vetting process. You know, they there's no editor online to say this is garbage. We're not going to publish it. You can publish whatever you want. So that's the challenge. I feel sorry for folks who are trying to learn things online, uh, not knowing anything about it, because how do you sort the the wheat from the chaff? Mm -hmm. That's the challenge. But yeah, the outdoor writing game has changed a lot. There are fewer magazines to sell to, a lot of blogs and websites you can sell to, but they don't offer as much money. The good old days, I think, are gone. Hey, thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, That's it for now. Thanks for listening. If you like this goofy podcast and you want to hear more, just check out our weekly podcast episodes. Uh, Get them on your favorite podcatcher. Or you can go to ronspomeroutdoors.com where you get all that uncertified free material. (laughs) And you can also find hundreds of other articles and photos and videos on there. All about hunting and conservation, natural history, guns, ammo, ballistics, and optics. And I actually do know a little bit about that stuff. Uh, You can find me on YouTube. Search for Ron Spomer Outdoors. We have a lot of instructional videos on there as well as some fun ones. And until next time, this is Ron Spomer wishing you safe, satisfying, and fun adventures afield and reminding you to hunt honest and shoot straight. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.